and a happy Saturday to one and all. Welcome to episode 55, the double nickel of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I want to thank you all for spending some of your Saturday afternoon with me. If you're checking out episode 55 on the YouTube channel, haven't done so already, don't forget to click like, subscribe, turn on the notifications, or if you're maybe in the car, catching episode 55 on Spotify, iTunes, or the audio, other audio platforms, same general rule applies, don't forget to click like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. So as a Gen Xer, kind of in the middle of Generation X, um, and a New Yorker, when people find out that I went to school in the city, New York University, worked in the city for my dad's accounting firm, which different locations, uh, never lived in the city, but starting from those two elements, there are certain assumptions that might be made, and not in a negative sense. I don't mean assumptions and, you know, don't assume anything to make an ass out of you or me. I mean, just in general. Um, the expectation is that for a child who spent a lot of time in New York City, in Manhattan to be precise, in the 80s and 90s, well, off the top of your head, did you assume that I spent a lot of time, uh, for example, in Italy during that time frame? Zero. Um, I had family that grew up in Harlem a very, very long time ago. Didn't spend any time in Harlem. Spent very little time in extreme lower Manhattan, past New York University. To put another way, I only went to the World Trade Center once, over one weekend, in 1984, this coming um, summer, will mark 40 years since my first and only visit to what sadly does not exist anymore, the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers. My mother was a travel agent back in the day, and she she was really good at it. My mom is a, a people person. Because it's a bit of a quaint, somewhat outmoded concept, travel agency, but... So she would uh, get flights for people, discount flights, in the days before everything was either on a computer or on our phones. And I guess she and my dad had been talking about staying in the city and because we had never done that. Uh, my sister was about a year old at the time. We'd never done that. Uh, we'd gone on plenty of family vacations, usually either to St. Croix to visit my mother's parents or to Florida to visit my dad's parents when they moved there, which was 1980. They wanted to go to the city, and I don't know whether it was my mother's idea, my father's idea. You know, I was 10 years old. I didn't need to be consulted for such things. But told me, hey, we're going to be staying at, I don't remember the name of the hotel, but we're going to be staying at the hotel at um, One World Trade Center. And we're going to be going to dinner at Windows on the World, which was a famous restaurant. Um, I think it was 102 stories up with a, needless to say, breathtaking panoramic view of New York City. Extraordinary. 
So I was excited. This was at a point in my life before I realized I was claustrophobic and afraid of heights and petrified of elevators. I was still a fearless, feckless, pain in the ass, 10 year old, redheaded kid. Smart, but too smart for his own good in certain ways. And better if I had piped down more often than I did. But that has nothing to do with this. I was excited. My parents were excited. My mother was still in her 30s at the time. She was already so old in my estimation. She was 39, 11 years younger than I am now. But I remember the excitement of the drive into the city and checking into the hotel. And I think we were on the 98th floor. I think we were on the 98th floor. Could be wrong about that. But what I remember was it took something like 52 or 54 seconds to go from the lobby to our floor. So I timed it. I had one of those digital watches, which were all the rage. Oh, I have an Armatron. I'm so cool. It was amazing. It was like a bullet elevator. So I remember getting out of the elevator. Mom was holding on to Jessica. Maybe she was in a stroller. Either way, get out of the elevator, and this was like the early stage, having room keys that were um, like key card. This was not turn the key. This was, you know, state-of-the-art, 1984 version of state-of-the-art. So my mother uh, presumably has Jessica, and my dad has the key card. And he puts the card into the slot for our room, the door opens, and I somehow got in there first, and I noticed there was what appeared to be a lady's handbag. Now, now bear in mind, my mom, as a travel agent, there were certain extras that she was told, we're not gonna spoil it for you, Mrs. Cohen, but expect a couple of you know niceties along the way. The idea being, if we have a good time, my mom is more likely to strongly recommend the hotel to some of her clients, therefore, End result, they make more money. So she sees this very nice bag. I don't know if it was Prada. I have no idea if it was Dooney and Burr. I have no idea what the bag was, but it was a very nice handbag. So my mom immediately goes, oh, look at this, complimentary handbag. And I remember my 10-year-old brain that somehow didn't make much sense to me. Not that it's supposed to make sense to a 10-year-old, but I immediately was like, this, is, this can't be right. What the heck is a complimentary handbag? Mom goes over, inspects the handbag, and there's makeup in it. She says, oh, look at this. There's a ton of makeup in here, too. And she's completely, you know, like she's narrating it as if this is the most normal thing. Of course they give you a complimentary handbag. It's totally normal. I walk into the bathroom, there's clothes laying around, there's a towel on the floor. My dad says something like, my mom went by Candy, uh, Candy, uh, this bed looks like it's just been slept in. Mom walks over. She says, geez, Allie, I think you're right. You think we're in the wrong room? <laughs> yeah, I think we're in the wrong room. I've always imagined rebooting the Matrix right to that moment, but instead of us walking into, I don't even know how this happened, 
walking into someone else's room, but we walk into someone else's room while there is hanky-panky going on. Scarred for life. The young redhead was never the same. Once it was now confirmed that, hey, somebody made a boo-boo here and sent us to a room that's already occupied. You know, must be a computer malfunction. What do we do? Why don't you run it through the computer? My parents started laughing and laughing and laughing. And they were laughing as hard as I had seen them laugh in a while because the, the complete absurdity of what had happened. Like, how? How can you make a mistake like that? It's a key card. How do you give a key card a code that's already in use? Look, it's, it's even worse. Now, back then, the technology made no sense. I didn't even know how it worked in the first place. Now it seems even more idiotic. So, parents gather themselves. Jerry, we gotta go downstairs. This is obviously not our room. And I said something stupid like, are we gonna take the complimentary makeup back? Like, it was just a pain in the ass. But they were laughing, they were having fun, and they, they didn't get upset at me for being like wise. We go downstairs and go to the desk and explain the situation. And the guy at the desk, presumably this had not happened before. I don't know how long they've been using the new key card system. The guy was flabbergasted because according to his, you know, computer, his 1984 version of a high-tech computer, it was telling him that the room was unoccupied. He said, well, it's not unoccupied. The sheets had been slept in. You know, my mom is, is starting to lose her temper a little bit. So one of the managers comes over and realizes, hey, wait a minute, this is, this is Mrs. Cohen. She's traveling, whatever he's thinking. He says, hold on a second. I'm sorry. We made a mistake. I don't know what went wrong with the computer, but I apologize deeply, and I hope this doesn't impact your stay. We're going to get you in another room, and we're going to upgrade you at no additional charge, because this shouldn't have happened, and we're sorry. Now my mom, so my mother always had a temper. You know, she's got a temper now when she was in her 30s. Just duck. When she loses her temper, duck. And probably close your ears, because the string of F-bombs that might be emitted still hanging somewhere over the Atlantic. I remember in a Christmas story, mom could really let him fly. She was not somebody you wanted to see you know, she used to call it the wrath of candy. I thought I was a little kid. I thought it was funny, the wrath of candy. It actually wasn't funny when it happened. So she was starting to gear herself up. And the manager calms her down. My dad wasn't really that upset. He still thought it was funny. But they, they get us another room. And, you know, my father was kind of trying to be funny. And, he, you know, dad had a good sense of humor. So we got to the next, the second room. And he kind of looks around and he knocks on the door, does that. Think someone's in there. No one was in there. We go in and it is a significantly bigger room than where we start. So we get settled, it's beautiful. And then we go um, upstairs to windows on the world. And it was such an incredible experience. The restaurant, if memory serves, had some kind of a rotating platform. So, for example, if you were immediately seated uh, on a certain, at a certain position in the restaurant, it, was, it would roll around. 
and you would get to see the view from everywhere. It wasn't like if you're seated here, this is your view. It's very, again, high tech for 40 years. So we went there and not surprisingly, the food was not, I mean, the food was fine, but it's not the food that brought people there. It's the, it's the view and the experience, something that a lot of people would never have the opportunity to, to see under the best of circumstances. And even as a little kid, as a kind of irrepressible, always thinking that somebody was taking advantage of him and he wasn't getting what he said, I knew this was special. And it was good to see you know, my parents giggling and laughing and having such a good time. So I remember, um, I don't remember anything about the meal. I don't remember what I ordered. I, didn't, I don't think I got anything too wacky. I was in a phase where I was getting shrimp scampi all the time. So I probably had shrimp scampi and chocolate mousse. Those were the two things that I seemed to order a lot. Clam chowder soup, shrimp scampi, chocolate mousse. But I don't actually remember the food. I just remember the experience and the ambiance. And we were only staying the one night. It literally was just for the experience of being in the city, lower Manhattan, going to Windows on the World, and being in this really nice hotel. So I wasn't, at this point, still thinking about the kind of mix-up with the first room. I was still kind of chuckling, but I wasn't, it wasn't in my head, I wasn't preoccupied with it. We got back to the room, and you're kind of flipping channels on TV. It's like, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock, something like that. And I had not seen the movie Ghostbusters in theaters. This was probably, it was towards the end of its theatrical run from that year. You know, it was a huge, huge box office and a great movie, but I hadn't seen it. I had opportunity to see it with my old pal Nathaniel and uh, say, brother, but I had a chance to see it with Daniel and his dad, and as always, I punted. Al Lieber, another old friend of ours, may have gone. I just, no, I don't want to go. The early era pay-per-view, I don't know if it was actually still called pay-per-view, I think it was called SpectraVision. There was something on there that said um, $4 or whatever if you want to see this movie in your room. That sounds fucking great. Now, my father was never a person who liked to just frivolously spend money, even a couple of bucks. It went against his nature. It went against his wiring as a child of two parents who lived through the worst of the Great Depression. In the case of my grandmother, they had been wealthy. Her father had been a Wall Street guy, and they got obliterated. The grandpa and I didn't have any money anyway, but still, having lived through it, there was something in my dad's wiring that just didn't like to spend money frivolously. As weird as it might be to think we're talking about a couple of bucks, but it's the way it was. However, in this instance, we were awake, and as soon as I suggested, hey, Dad, you know, neither one of us has seen Ghostbusters, and it says that we can watch it here in the room. Do you want to watch it? He goes, oh, yeah. Wow, that's great. So we, whatever buttons have to be clicked to order Ghostbusters on the early era pay-per-view, SpectraVision. And the movie is starting, and my mother is, you know, with Jessica, maybe changing her, doing whatever. And just as the movie is, is starting, the credits are starting, you know, coming up, and all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. 
Dad goes, Candy, did you, uh, did you order room service? Allie, what are you talking about? I've been in here with, with Jeff. What do you mean room service? Okay, okay. Nobody ordered anything. My dad's instinct was, we got another fuck up here. Because we sure as hell didn't order anything. And there is nobody who even, like, it's not like you're expecting guests. We don't know anybody here. We didn't go with a group of friends. So knock at the door. And dad says, uh, says that Jerry, you can, you can go over and open it. It's probably a mistake. You know, just. So I go over to the door. I open the door. And there is what looks like um, a concierge. It's pretty well dressed. He is behind what looks like a six-foot-long table filled with stuff, fruit, nuts, Muffins, chocolates, cookies, cakes, whipped cream, what looks like chocolate pudding. Guy says, Mr. Cohen? My dad says, yeah, yeah. I think you got the wrong room. We didn't order any of this stuff. Maybe you're looking for another Mr. Cohen. Guy looks down at the piece of paper and says, no, 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 no. And then he drops the name of the manager that consulted with my mom after the, after the kind of mistake earlier. So-and-so says, no, no, th this is for you. My dad gets, my father was, um, he had this look that he would get when he was surprised in a good way. It was a little smile. He would sometimes blush but he would get this little smile. It was one of his trademarks, because my dad, may he rest in peace, was a pretty serious guy. He didn't go as far in accounting business as he did by not taking things serious. But he loved to laugh, and he felt that so much of life was being surprised on the downside, on the negative side. This was, he knew, this was one of the other this was a good surprise. So he gets this little smile. And my mom goes, hey, what's happening? What's going on? And she pops out, presumably up the bathroom with my sister, to see this enormous table. And she's, she's like, what's going on? We didn't order this. And the guy, again, repeats what he had said. Mom also, she looks at my dad. She looks at me. Kind of gives a little, <laughs> like one of those sort of laughs. And so my father was a little bit embarrassed because he didn't think of this immediately. He kind of motions me over. He takes a $10 bill out of his pocket. And he says, So I walk over to the concierge. I hand him the $10. And he smiles. And he says, again, we're sorry for the mix-up before. We hope everything is to your liking. Have a good evening. So within this unbelievable spread of goodies, there is a handwritten letter in very, very good penmanship from the manager. And I can still see it all these years later in a kind of cross between cursive and print. It says, a little something for the evening. And so, 
My sister was sleeping, and my mother, and me, and my dear old dad spent the next two hours watching Ghostbusters, to this day, still one of the, one of the greats, one of our favorites. You know, the sequel, I liked, I liked the one from last year was good. I, the, I didn't see the, um, the female-led uh, Ghostbusters, but Ghostbusters 2, eh. And the one last year, Ghostbusters Afterlife, it was okay. I'll see the new one when it comes out. But watching Ghostbusters on, it was probably only about an 18-inch TV, maybe it was 20 inches. It was amazing. And watching Ghostbusters while completely stuffing my 10-year-old face with as much of this incredible homemade, homemade kind of goodies. And normally, my parents, they, they were kind of sticklers. You know, they wanted me to eat healthy in general. So as long as I was having a little bit of fruit, because there was fresh fruit there as well, in the midst of having little bits of chocolate and um, the dried fruit, they were okay. They didn't say anything. I was noshing for the whole movie. To this day, that is one of the best non-cinema movie-going experiences because of everything that happened surrounding Mom, who normally was, a, you know, was on a diet and weight and everything. No, she just had fun. Now, my dad, on the other hand, was one of those lucky people who no matter what he did, my dad ate more than anyone I knew at that time. He was a, a vacuum cleaner. And going back to when he was a kid, same thing. Yeah, Al's such a presser. He's such a presser. Presser. The nicest way in Yiddish that you can call somebody a pig. The nicest way that you can say that, that someone eats too much. Presser. My grandmother used to call me that. Oh, look at Jeremy, such a presser, such a presser. My dad always ate everything inside, never left any food open. So when we went out to dinner that night, guarantee you whatever he ordered, he cleaned his plate. He didn't believe in wasting food. He was also somebody that he would take your order and say, no, no, bring it home. I'll have it. Because his father, Grandpa Nat, the great Nathan Cohen, always said, I'll clean it up. That was the phrasing that he used. No, 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 Junior. You take it home. I'll clean it up. Meaning he'll eat it. Dad didn't use the same phrases, but he did not like wasting food. And on this particular night, this impossible spread was enough for at least 15 people. He ate as much as he could. I'm just happy that no, none of us ate ourselves sick. We did not. But what started as a ridiculous vacation with a crazy mistake, which could have gotten a little X-rated if we had happened to walk in at the wrong time instead of, okay, there's nobody here, complimentary makeup bag. It ended up being an amazing late afternoon with laughs, evening, and late night. And I remember Jessica had trouble sleeping. She was so small. She had trouble sleeping. She ended up getting to sleep, and we checked out of the hotel, you know, the following morning, and I don't really remember anything else of the trip, except for the fact that my mother went out of her way to tell me, I recommended this place to everybody. I told them what happened, 
and how they handled it. And I thought it was very professional. And so whatever the gambit was, the gambit by the management, you know what, let's, let's spend extra on these people because maybe we'll make it on the other side. It's like what, you know, casinos, Atlantic City, Vegas, Monte Carlo, wherever, will do. They will try to make their best customers feel wanted and welcome in the hopes that they'll get recommended by people who might not otherwise partake of their establishment. I did not go to the uh, World Trade Center again. I never really had any um, business down there. I rarely went very much further than the lower Manhattan of New York University, you know, West Fourth Street was the subway station, but 721 Broadway, the address of the Tisch School of the Arts, and the rest of you know, the NYU buildings, of course, were in the general vicinity. There was no real campus, at least not when I was there. They used to say the campus is Lower Manhattan. To some extent, that's true. But I, I to this day, have never been to the top of the Empire State Building. Um, I almost went to the top of the Empire State Building a number of years ago, but it just like, it was prohibitively expensive. This is ridiculous. So top of the rock, I've been to a couple of times. That's really, that's really nice. Never been to the top of the Chrysler Building either. That would you know, where the original King Kong was <laughs> supposed to have been set. And the, set, the 1976 King Kong with Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange, the famous Dino De Laurentiis produ uh, produced version, was the trade set. Um, but yeah, I never went back there. And when I think in terms of family vacations, we had one more family vacation the following uh, late spring, after tax season, we went to St. Croix to visit my mom's parents. And I want to say that after that, we only had one more fearsome, foursome family vacation. And that's when we went in the summer of 87 to Cooperstown and to Toronto and Montreal. And I got to see old Olympic Stadium in Montreal. We went to a Montreal Expos game. I think they played the Cardinals. Not a great ballpark for baseball. We weren't sitting that far from the field, and the way that they had the lights, and there was like a reflection coming off the artificial turf. You know, the, the joke used to be that if there was rain, because it wasn't like a full dome, it was open, it, was, it looked like a toilet bowl, basically. Um, there was water on the field, even though it hadn't rained in a couple of days, and it kept reflecting, and I'm, we're not that far. I couldn't see the pitches coming into the batter. So, the actual game itself was a duck, but that 1987 was the last family vacation we took. You know, and my parents they split up and whatever. But I won't ever forget that for a lot of reasons. But mostly the good, which is memories of both of my parents smiling and laughing and gently goofing on one another, and not talking to me like I was a little kid. Something that my parents, I think, did a good job, if I may say. Uh, now, if I misbehave, sure. But just in general, talk to me like I was a miniature adult, not a silly little kid. Just think, um, again, how lucky I was to have experiences like that. And to say that, yeah, I was there. I was there. I was at Windows on the World. You know, I don't know what I would do now with me being petrified of elevators, right? How would I get up to the 98th floor? Would I walk? 
dreams. Maybe. I was in Vegas and uh, the Voodoo Lounge at the Rio. That's a lot of stories up, 60 or 70 floors up, I believe. I walked, I walked up and down. But that's a story for another day. And with that, hopefully wholesome, could have been a little scandalous, but hopefully wholesome family memory, I leave you with the close of episode 55 of the Confessions of a Not-So-Dangerous Mind podcast. I want to thank you once again for reminiscing with me on this Saturday in New York. And if you're checking out episode 55 on the YouTube channel and haven't done so already, don't forget to like, hit the subscriber bell, and turn on those notifications so you can be instantly notified as soon as a new episode drops. Or, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts is about to go the way it goes. Same rule. If you haven't done so already, click like, subscribe, turn on those notifications. I'll be back with episode 56 real, real soon. Until then, peace.